0: This episode of the Cloudcast is sponsored by ServiceNow. ServiceNow is changing the way people work. With a service orientation towards the activities, tasks, and processes that make up day to day work life, ServiceNow helps the modern enterprise operate faster and be more scalable than ever before. To learn more about the enterprise cloud built to manage everything as a service, please visit www.servicenow.com. And now onto the show.
1: Cloudcast Media presents, from the massive studios in Raleigh, North Carolina, this is The Cloudcast with Aaron Delp and Brian Gracely, bringing you the best of cloud computing from around the world.
0: Good morning, good evening where we are, and welcome to another episode of The Cloudcast. Um, For those that have forgotten at this point um, who the heck this is, Uh, this is Aaron. Um, I haven't been (laughs) on this show in... Gosh, I don't know, a month, six weeks, yeah, month and a half, and then like maybe one show before that. So I have to, you know, apologize to everyone before we even get started. Um, it is good to be back. Um, I will say moving and you know, summer and lots of things like that has uh, unfortunately taken my time away from the podcast for a little bit, but but back. And I should quit bragging on our streak we had earlier this week because that obviously jinxed us, right, Brian? Yeah, yeah absolutely.
2: We, we, we went about 10 11 weeks in a row, and then of of course, we got back to normal things. So, hey, um, <laughs> real, real quick before we get uh, into our guests tonight, because it's going to be a fun show, uh, we should give folks a quick update on what we're doing with, uh, with the serverless stuff. So name and, and some of those things and timing and stuff.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, um working on uh, a very very early August rollout. Um Serverless Cast is coming. Um we considered calling it the Jeff Cast, um but we kind of figured that would only be funny for about a month. Um so and and we're not super creative with the name sometimes, so that's the name we're going with for now and, and you know domains are registered infrastructure is being built we're building another massive studio and and looking for like i said beginning of august rollout
2: yep yeah so we should have all that stuff done we'll we'll definitely publish it out through this channel and uh we've got uh which is really nice we have a, a huge backlog of of guests and show topics and stuff to have sort of right away so uh we will we'll be doing that and then i'm actually doing uh, I'm going to be a guest on the Data Knots podcast next week uh, with uh, with Ethan and uh, Chris Wall, and uh, we're, we're going to kind of do a little preview and, and talk about serverless stuff as well. So, if you want to get a little preview, uh, the Data Knots podcast is really really good
0: for lots of
2: topics. They just happen to be talking about serverless next week. So, Very enough, nice. Enough about that. Why don't we get to uh, tonight's guest? Tonight's going to be fun.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, wanted to you know we've been talking about containers a good bit, good bit on this show. But one of the big things is we talk about the operational side here and there. But we really wanted to focus on one area specifically, and that and that being container security. In order to do that, uh, we'd like to welcome to the show Randy Kilman, VP of Engineering at Black Duck Software. How are you doing tonight, Randy?
1: I'm great, thanks. Hey guys
0: hey so um you 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 you, uh wanted to i really wanted to kind of first start off with a little bit about your background but also specifically the area of focus of black duck software because it's really kind of fascinating and 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 really unique so if you don't mind give everyone a little background out there
1: sure um i've been at black duck for uh, a little over 11 years now so kind of a long timer the company's been around i guess 12 or 13 years at this point um and uh it got a start really around open source uh, licensing compliance uh, that was the original product offering and it was um, you know aimed at, at big companies that, that wanted to mitigate their their risk of shipping you know GPL code or something like that um, and then over the years we we added uh, additional capabilities mostly in, in the security space um, as well as uh, operational risk what we call operational risk which is essentially, um, reporting on the the overall health of, of open source uh, components and open source projects um, yeah with regard to you know how many committers there are and you know if it's going up or down or, and that kind of stuff
2: yeah no I I know I'm, I've been familiar with black Duck in the past uh, some of the companies that I'd worked with previously we'd gone through some some A stuff and, and we'd use the black duck software to make sure that like you said we weren't um, we weren't shipping any software that had uh unknown libraries and stuff that we may have put in there that we were you know license violating it also gave us a really good inventory of, of what we were doing. Um you've obviously been there for like you said for for most of the life of the company. How's how's it evolved? Like I guess not just the company but but more importantly like you know why has it evolved? What have been the big open source trends that have forced you to to get into security, now getting into container security. What's what's driving um kind of all the the innovation around what you guys are working on?
1: I guess it's really most attributed to you know just the explosion of open source in general. So um when I first uh, arrived at Black you know, I'd been working in the Java space and uh for for years really so um open source was was not news to me, but um you know our knowledge base at that time when I joined, I think we had you know 50,000 open source components, maybe not even that many, including different versions of things. And you know we thought that was pretty pretty good and uh, pretty big. And when um, when customers would scan, you know, they might find a few pieces of open source here and there, but it wasn't um, it wasn't like it is today, where we have about 1.7 million components in the KB, roughly, plus you know hundreds of versions of each of those. Um, and you know, the large majorities of uh, code bases today are basically made up of, of open source. So there's been uh, real growth in terms of the, the use of open source as well as the growth in the, in the production of open source. Right. And so I think that that, you know, basically has been driving our business forward as, as well.
0: And so th- that's fantastic. And, and it's interesting to see how that model has grown over time and how you have been able to kind of, follow the open source movement and that that's fantastic. But then we also have the kind of the next movement, if you will, and that being containers. And then of course, container security is what we're going to talk about here. And what, what makes the reality, if you will, of container security, what, what are the areas people should be thinking about or focusing their attention on when it comes specifically to containers and securing them?
1: Well, certainly um, there's a number of things that you want to consider. Uh, one of the one of the things that um, Black Duck helps people manage, of course, is is basically just the contents of the container. So, what are the components that are you're using in the container? Um, it, it's not really that different from from traditional uh, deployment models, really, from our perspective. Because um, you know, it's a, it's our belief that you should practice good hygiene on your open source, whether it's in a container or not. But understanding what's in there and what uh, the risks are associated with those components is certainly very important um, and so that that would be the, the main thing understand what 's in there and understand uh, what, what may be vulnerable. understand um, you know where you are in terms of the version the version uh, life cycle of, of those components and then um, make sure that you, you know, have taken all the measures you need to to patch. To patch things up and make sure that you're in good shape. Um, so that that's the probably the the most important one. Um, and then, of course, there's all kinds of other uh, things that you want to um, be aware of, like uh, more sort of in in runtime when the comp- when the container or the image is um, deployed and, and run. Uh, you want to do things like monitoring the the network traffic over that over that cluster to make sure that uh, things uh, are communicating as they should be. Uh, etc
2: yeah where's um there's a lot of there's kind of a lot of moving pieces especially as we start getting into to sort of the things that people are putting into containers you know they tend to be not um it's kind of a it's kind of an interesting transition because if you go into like docker hub or the big registries you know there's still some existing applications that are, you know, highly used, you know, MySQL and, uh, you know, NGINX and, and, you know, some well-known applications, but more and more, we're seeing applications that are frequently updated, um, you know, have multiple dependencies. Uh, you know, some of it lives in a registry. You've got people now trying to do, um, you know, key value management, key stores and stuff like where, where, where does black duck kind of technology fit in, in terms of, keeping you know, looking at things from a security perspective, does it, is it scanning registries? Is it part of a, you know, kind of a Jenkins CICD, um, tool chain? Is it part of sort of the, the normal operational framework of, of, you know, doing security monitoring? Where's all the places that it's, it's doing scanning and, and trying to help customers out?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I guess the short answer is yes to pretty much all of those. Um, People, uh, you know, use our products to scan their their registries. They they use them in CI and they, and they use the notifications once things are deployed. So, um, we we kind of feel that it's it's uh, most efficient to to move um, the scanning as far left in the process as you can. So okay. uh, earlier in the process, therefore, sort of in the uh, even in the selection, would be a good time to start, you know, checking things out. But in terms of scanning, certainly, um, continuous integration is the is the easiest place to plug us in, and and the place that really makes the most sense.
2: Yeah, and are you are you plugging in sort of uh, in a similar way to something like like Sonar or wh- you know what's the like if, if I'm a developer, where do I ex- where would you expect to sort of um, interact with, with the black duck technology or start getting, you know, sort of feedback from it versus if, and I'm in, if I'm in operations or, or, or test or something like, where are the different groups seeing these vulnerabilities? Where are they seeing the problems? Um, you talk about shifting it left, like give me the day in the life of, of those, those two different teams.
1: Sure. So, um, if you're a developer, um, you know, you might, you might get your first notification of a problem, um, when you run a, a Gradle build in your in your Eclipse workspace, right through the um, Gradle uh, integration that we have, uh, that that could tell you right off the bat that you know maybe that jar file, for example, has has a has a known uh, vulnerability. Okay. Um, or it may happen when you commit your code and the Jenkins build runs and um, and the scan is run and the and the policies are applied uh, that that for some other reason. Um, you know, you, you're out of you're out of compliance, right? It might be a vulnerability. It might be, you know, there's there's a new version that came out that pushed you over the limit of how far back you're supposed to be, or it could be a licensing issue. Um, so those are kind of the three main buckets that you that you might expect to, um, you know, get get notified about uh, from from our products. And so, sort of that's it on the dev side, right? And then. Um, you, you may, you know, sometimes it's a, it's an integration to JIRA, right? The build runs, it, it fails, it reports out that, um, this or component was, was found and had this, this issue, it, it could create a JIRA ticket that gets assigned to you, you know, something along those lines.
2: Okay. So, so ultimately so that's, you've got to fit everywhere in that pipeline. Right. Yeah.
0: Right. And so that's super interesting because. That's the, I guess you could say the, the the ideal scenarios, but I'm also fascinated too by the flip side of that of, okay, what are the use cases where, where folks are, you know, they they, they integrate this and they kind of, there, there's, I, I guess you could call them, you know, learning mistakes, right? What, what are the, the things when people look put this in and they kind of go, oops, we definitely should have done this sooner? Or what are the most common areas that that you can kind of make a difference immediately and that kind of just jumps out to most average users?
1: Yeah, that that moment, um, the oops moment, usually comes uh, when we engage um, in the sales process, right? So, you know, over the last decade or so, I've noticed that it's pretty universal that um, when people first engage with us and they do a proof of concept, um, you know, we run run scans over some of their sample code that they provide. And, you know, sometimes it's, oh, we're not using that, you know, and sure enough, it turns out, well, you are using that, it's right here. Um, So... Uh, that that happens in almost every engagement. So there's always something that you can learn about your code um, by by scanning.
0: Okay. Well, and that goes back to the. So we were reading through the the Black Duck the open source security survey, and we'll put a link in, in the show notes to it. Um, but but some really interesting things jumped out at us of you like you were saying 30% of all commercial software has open source software in there somewhere and the average age of vulnerabilities at the time of the scanning it was like 1800 1900 days something like something just really really crazy like that yeah Years. Um, <laughs> right and and that just that just blew my mind to to hear that number in particular. So this isn't like, oh, it's, you know, day one, day zero, it, you know, this is day 1800. Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, what do you think, like what are your thoughts around, it, why does something like that go on for that long? Is this just things that just classically get left behind and never get addressed and, and why?
1: Yeah, that's interesting. So some of it is that, People are just not, um, you know, on top of it. Um, but I think another, another kind of getting, so to, to answer your original question about, so that I described the dev side. On the op side, however, um, one of the kind of um, classic, I guess, mistakes you, that we see is people who check things, uh, the, you know, once when they, they pull down the, the JAR file, they say, okay, that we're using version one two three and it looks like it's got no vulnerabilities. Great, we're going to put it in the stack. And then they they ship it, and they they forget about it. Um, And so much of this is about the way the vulnerability picture uh, changes over time, right? So um, just because something is considered okay today doesn't mean it's going to be okay in six months, right? So some of it is just probably a buildup of vulnerabilities that occur after, uh, you know, post-deployment and post-selection. And and probably some of it is also... um, you know, just just kind of the the tax on the on the team to try to keep up with all that stuff.
0: Yeah, and and therefore, like the use of containers in a lot of these scenarios, where where the attack surface or the number of objects just increases exponentially, you you can see how things like that would become certainly more beneficial over time.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And containers are sort of a double edged sword, right? Because they're it's so easy to spin them up, and it's so easy. Uh, to have a problem, but then again, it's also quite easy to fix it um, once once you discover it. So uh, there's good, there's good good news and bad news there.
2: Yeah, I I think I heard I was I was listening to to something else uh, here recently, and I think somebody sort of described it as like, you know, there's times when you don't care if your servers are basically on fire as long as it's still making the company money or sort of doing its job. So, um, Aaron, it, it's sort of like your your analogy we had this weekend where you pack stuff away for six weeks and you kind of forgot about it and you didn't you forgot where it was and you didn't care about it anymore. And, uh, you know, you just, you don't think about it, but yeah, the, the 1800 days still seems crazy. Those must be sort of lower end vulnerabilities. I can't imagine those are like heart bleed and stuff like that. Or, or, or do you see the stuff like that where the super priority one stuff drags out that long?
1: Um, I think even some high priority ones do drag out longer than they should, but I think it's, it's likely that those are lower priority ones that are going for that long. Yeah. But I mean, Heartbleed is another great example, right? So, how long was that vulnerability in the in the uh, component before somebody just discovered it, right? So, right. right. Um,
2: hey, I, I got a question about you know, kind of it goes back to sort of the separation of, of Dev and op, op, Ops. If depending on how people are organized, like, how do you see um, you guys? Obviously, got into scanning and security before containers kind of became this buzz thing. How, do you see a difference in in how people? kind of actively manage and and try and secure containers versus they do the, the hosts they run on themselves. I mean, are you seeing any kind of just behaviors or, or best practices that, you know, say that those things are, are staying in sync or they're getting kind of way, you know, away from each other?
1: Actually, I think the whole, um, move towards containers has probably helped to heighten the awareness, uh, on both of those levels, both, um, you know what are you using? What's in those containers? That was one of the first questions that people started asking. Um, and then, you know, as part of that process, I think people are getting swept up and making sure that oh, you know, now uh, I'm running all these containers on a host. I got to make sure that that's secure too. What, why you know, why bother securing the containers if the host is not secure? Um, so I think I think it's been beneficial overall uh, that that more focus on security has has come to light uh, uh, due to containers.
0: Yeah. Well and and along those lines what what has been your your view of container repositories right because we've heard certainly both good and bad uh, around them and is so is, you know is that something where you feel like repositories as a source could lead to something like the eighteen hundred day vulnerabilities and some of these other things, or is that actually the centralization of those containers uh, makes it much easier and more advantageous long term?
1: I think in the long term, clearly it will be advantageous to have things centralized and managed and reported out um, and maintained, right? So I think um, I think it's trending in that direction.
2: Yeah. I'll ask you sort of one one last question because I know it's it's uh, sort of late and um, but so we've got a number of listeners um, you know who are going through different paths with containers and and we hear all sorts of numbers thrown around you know how much people are using containers how much is in production and there's this big debate in the industry do you you know do you just kind of run containers natively with with one of these schedulers or do you use one of these platform as a service types of things like a, you know, cloud foundry or, or open or, um, do you, you guys seen any, any trends one way or the other as to, you know, what people, how people are running their containers and then more importantly, you know, any guidance for them about security one way or the other that, that might influence how they decide to run their containers?
1: Um, so I don't see any uh, real pattern developing. As you point out, I've got people running it with Puppet and Chef. I've got people running it, you know, in Docker cloud. I've got people running it in Kubernetes and Mesos um, and, and OpenShift and, and all kinds of things. So um, I don't think there's been a real consolidation yet around any particular technology. It's just actually interesting. I, I feel it's quite fluid still at this point. Um, although in the last Few months, I have seen a little more um, of our customers asking and talking about OpenShift. Uh, so maybe maybe things are are picking up on that side a little bit. Um, and you know, just in terms of advice, I mean, for, for speaking of OpenShift, actually, um, if you if you run a, uh, OpenShift on Atomic Host, um Blacktick has a great integration there um, to to you know help manage the container security uh, sort of at the platform level, really at the at the host level. Um, so it's a, it's a nice integration and, and one that people should probably check out if they okay. get the chance.
2: Interesting. Okay. Well, good. Well, listen, Hey, you know, sort of last, last word, I'll sort of let you have the last word. Um, you know, any, any guidance for people in terms of just, uh, you know, security best practices are always, you know, security in depth and can keep things up to date, but anything specific around containers, you kind of wish, you know, you, you could get out to the masses and, and sort of, you know, make sure everybody was doing before you walk into that next customer meeting.
1: I guess one of the interesting things about containers is really um, how, how it blends together um, you know, the, the, the whole stack from top to bottom um, in ways that people aren't used to. So, you know, if you're a Java developer or UI developer, you're, you're kind of used to working in your, um, you know, when you're in your in your layer there, you know, when things get into into the container, well, now. You know everything is right there. The the piece that that the uh, you know the ops guy used to manage for you, you might have to be selecting the operating system that you want to use, right? Or, um, uh, you know, just I guess the the, the thing that's really been an eye opener for me is um, how much open source there is out there, and and how many uh, different pieces um, people use, and and how how many vulnerabilities there are. So. Uh, you know being able to find a solution that helps you manage all that stuff from top to bottom is is really critical so you know including the the Linux pieces the kernel the the distros you know the middle tier and 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 the UI parts so um, just a lot more mixed together now I guess
2: yeah yeah we've seen that quite a bit well, um, yeah it makes perfect sense yeah. So, you know, um, what's, uh, Randy, what's, what's the best way if people want to kind of follow up, you know, maybe, maybe ask you some questions or, you know, best place, uh, you know, aside from, from the black duck webpage where they can, they can find your team, they can ask questions. They might run into you guys at a meetup or something like that.
1: Sure. Um, I'm going to be at black hat, uh, the beginning of August. Um, you know, we usually go to Docker con. I was at Docker con. Uh, you can feel free to email me. If anybody has any questions, please reach out. Um, it's our Kilman at, uh, black And, uh, otherwise, you know, we'll see you, we'll see you out there. Cool.
2: Excellent. Well, thank you very much for, for the insight tonight. I know we've got a lot of folks who are, are going down this journey and and are wanting to make sure they, uh, they stay secure and don't, don't blow up their, their company assets. So thank you very much for that. Aaron, you want to take us home?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, again, on behalf of both Brian and myself, thank you uh, for listening this week. And, and hopefully we'll both be back next week. We'll see.
1: <laughs> Thanks a lot, guys. It was great talking to you. All Thanks, right. Randy. Thank you, Randy. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to The Cloudcast. Please visit thecloudcast.net to find more shows, show notes, videos, and everything social media.